mean you could have said it. Dumbest answer I've ever heard. I the stupidest answer. Stupidest thing I didn't hurt. Are you an idiot? He's really dumb. Ignant answer. You wanted ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to a hundred women. Name something most women wouldn't be caught dead leaving the house without. Um, their vibrator. Oh. <laughs> we asked one hundred women what might a blind date conveniently forget to mention about himself. He's blind. He's blind. Blind date conveniently forgot to mention. <laughs> I really am a blind date. <laughs> This is the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Now, crank it up. Hollywood, what a way to kick off August. We'll do it this way, which is by having a good old-fashioned rock album trivia contest. Does that sound pretty fair to you? Uh, it sounds fair to me. It won't be fair to the three of you, but that ain't my problem. Well, it never is. So joining us on tonight's rock album trivia, we have none other than our old friend from the Potter and Hell podcast, Steve Wright. Steve-O, what's going on? Hi, guys. Thanks for having me, and um, happy August. Happy August, and being the fact that we're right around the corner from Rock and Pod, we had to have none other than Chris Sinzak on, the decibel geek himself, the creator of Rock and Pod, to tell us all about Rock and Pod, which basically is going to happen next week. So, Chris, what's going on? What's this Rock and Pod thing you're speaking of? I haven't heard of this before. <laughs> we hope that you'll tell us all about it because both Sonny and myself and Steve were all intrigued by it. It sounds like a great idea. Yeah, I thought so a few years ago. Now I don't know so much, but no, it's a, it's, yeah, it's a week away and uh, we're into last minute insanity, but uh, this is going to be a nice distraction to come on and do some rock trivia with you guys. Um, but yeah, rock and pod right around the corner, August 6th through the 8th in Nashville, pre-party concert on Friday, uh, expo on Saturday, and then some cool stuff at SIR on Sunday. And then we wrap everything up Sunday night with a cool comedy show at the High Watt in downtown. So yeah, it's going to be like three days of rock and roll craziness. Tell us some of the guests that you got coming up for this thing. So for the Rock and Pod Expo, the fourth one we've had would have been the fifth, but of course, COVID put in a stop to that last year. This year, we have some really great guests this year. We've got Billy Sheehan coming out for the first time. I've been trying to get him for a number of years. And Steven being a uh, David Lee Ross slash Van Halen fan, I knew that got your attention. Also, uh, Carmine Apice and Vinny Apice. I don't want to mispronounce anybody's name here. So two legendary drummers, they're coming out. Of course, Ron Keel is going to come back this year. He's a... Uh, been a great guest. He was a great guest in year two, and he's coming back this year. Uh, Resistant Bite, the new band from Tommy Skio, who used to be in Tesla, is going to be there. Also, we're going to have a great panel with former MTV VJs Mark Goodman, Ricky Rackman, and Matt Penfield. Really excited for that. Uh, legendary groupie Pamela DeBar is going to be there. We're going to have a women in rock panel that uh, is going to feature her and our friend Jax Hollow, and also Juanita Copeland, who's a local studio owner and producer. And then, of course, Craig Gast, Don Jameson, Courtney Cronin-Dole. We've got comedians coming. 
there's a whole bunch of people. Tora Tora, the whole band's coming. Roxy Blue's coming. The best way to get the whole list, go to rockandpod.com and just read the whole list for yourself. Because otherwise, there's like over 30 guests this year. It's crazy. Yeah, it's amazing. We've all been there since the first rock and pod i think myself and steve and sunny all basically attended the first rock and pod sort of as patrons slash guests i know i did some interviews at the last minute and things like that but we had a great time and it was the first meetup for a lot of us and we've since met up many times on different things but just to watch this thing grow over the years has been kind of amazing so it's Hats off to you, Chris, because I think you've done a great job, you know? Thank you. And, and you know, and it's cool to get bigger guests every year, but also um, lots of new podcasts are coming as well as some of the old guard is coming back. A lot of internet radio shows are coming this year. So, and it's one of those things where to me, the, the best thing about it is the friendships to get formed through this event every year. And, you know, case in point, shows have been formed from people meeting at Rock and Pod. And the family grows every year as we get new shows in and everybody kind of just becomes part of the family and Every year it gets to feel more and more like a family reunion. So that's one thing I love about it. And also, you know, people get new listeners out of the show. There's, to me, it's just great to hang with my friends. It's cool to meet, you know, people I never thought I would be able to book before because every year we get a little bigger and more people take it seriously. I don't have to explain in full what it is so much this time around, which is nice because people have heard of it now. So that's been great. And uh, just happy to see all my friends again. That's, uh, you know, I, I try to throw a party every year and hope people will show up. And it's somebody that just tunes into this show for the first time and is like, what is this rock and pod you speak of? I think probably, Chris, the easiest way to explain it would be a combination of rock and roll, podcasting, and education, right? Yeah, I kind of call it a, a trade show meets a fan convention. So it's kind of a little bit of, it's got something for both sides. So you've got rock and roll podcasters, rock and roll artists, rock and roll fans, rock and roll vendors. There's, I mean, we've even put cosplay into it. We kind of expanded a little bit every year, but, um, but it's kind of just a weekend that everybody can celebrate rock and roll. And a, a lot of the rock artists that we book are appreciative of what people like us do with our podcast because mainstream media doesn't really pay a lot of attention to a lot of these artists. And, you know, rock and roll is kind of becoming more of an underground thing as time goes on, but there's still a giant following through shows like ours. And, you know, shows like ours have become a real promotional arm for a lot of these bands and artists. So, you know, the first year I was calling out favors to people, you know, like Anthony from Toratora, Michael Wagner going, will you please come and meet some of these podcasters? And then by year two, they're going, oh, no, thank you for inviting us because these podcasters are, are helping us get the word out on our projects. So, yeah, it's kind of like a, a trade show, but also a fan expo. So it's, it's, it's a little bit of best of both worlds. Yeah, I look at rock podcasting today as the pirate radio of, you know, last generation. It's kind of the pirate radio slash cream magazines, circus magazines, because really none of that stuff exists anymore for our type of music. People don't really read magazines anymore. And rock radio, sure as hell, isn't going to touch a new warrant record, for example. Uh, it's going right. to be podcast like ours that reach out and a new band like uh let's say you know a heat or a crown or something like that they got no shot at all uh with rock radio so uh they don't have a leg to stand on but hopefully podcasts help get the word out there to some of those people i agree 100 percent. and you know and to borrow from my friend ken mills you know when he started podcast the kiss podcast like 15 years ago he described it as the audio fanzine for your ears. And that's kind of what it is. It's like, like an audio version of metal edge, you know, and you, you can keep up to date on what's going on. And I love both of your shows. I love Potter than hell. I love growing up rock. And I, I love that 
you guys put a big focus on stuff that, you know, people need to discover because music discovery is kind of a lost art and it, but it's really fun when you get turned onto a band you haven't heard before. And you're like, wow, that's some, something new. And rather than just go back to your same playlist over and over again, you always, you're always seeking out new stuff that turns you on. And I think that's great. And rock was somewhat always underground, right? Yeah. It reared his head in the eighties to the early nineties, but even when hit parader and metal edge was out there, it was no time or people or Newsweek. It was never that big. It was never going to be that big. It just got a little more underground than I guess it already was. Yeah. But I'm with Chris, man, the hang is huge. And that's true for listeners that have met each other, Mm -hmm. right? Not just podcasters, just people that meet each other. Hell, you know, our uh, wives are met. I tell people all the time, how do you make new friends like late forties, early fifties? Like that's hard to do. And when you think about something like this, it's, it's very rare to go somewhere where everybody has the same hobby and it's a group of X amount of people. That's why the monsters rock is so big. That's why the kiss cruise thing is so big because you just don't get to go to many of these places in normal part of life. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah. I've told people in interviews in the past, like, you know, I never thought that some of the best friendships of my life I would form through podcasting in my forties. You know, I never thought that would be the case, but it's yeah. true. There's so many great friendships that have come from all this stuff. Yeah. And Sonny's right. I mean, that's a lot of the appeal now for the monsters of rock cruise, because we get a real good hang out of it, especially after last year where the three of us went with other podcasters and had a great time. And, uh, you know, the music is important and is great to see a lot of these bands live, but, uh, the hang is also a lot of fun. hundred percent. I went into a room and there was a band butchering Mr. Brownstone. <laughs> And I had to shake my head, turn around, and leave. <laughs> there was people coming in. I'm like, don't bother. Stay out. <laughs> but there were times where we were su- supposed to see, you know, X band or whatever. And we were all just sitting there shooting the shit. And, you know, an hour goes by. Oh, we missed, uh, you know, whoever. And it was like, eh, Udo. We're yeah. having fun. <laughs> Udo. <laughs> I, remember, I remember we were finishing the day at Rock and Pot in 2019. And me and my wife were getting ready to leave. And like, we're walking down the hallway. We thought everything's done. And I hear all this ruckus coming from one of the, one of the rooms that we had for the day. And I'm like, what's going on in this room? I opened up the door and Sonny is running like this. What was like a kiss draft thing uh-huh. with like 30 people in the room. And I'm like, what is going on? I, th- I was like, are you guys doing something illegal in here? What's going on? <laughs> right. He was doing something illegal. He didn't follow any of the rules. It was hilarious watching everybody bust everybody's balls over their picks. It was just wonderful. <laughs> We were doing what you do at Rockin' Pod, which is record an impromptu podcast. <laughs> I thought yeah. it was great. I was just like, wow, where did this come from? <laughs> yeah, the last the last two years that we were down there, we recorded while we were down there, too. We recorded after, I don't know how we were able to do it, uh, after the first night we were down there, because everybody was hammered. Uh, myself and BB went there last time. We recorded, actually, we did a Rough Cut episode last year down there after everything was wrapped up. So I don't know how many other podcasts did podcast there. I know you guys did like a live thing and Sonny and Steven did one and mm-hmm. all the other podcasts and stuff, but it was great. I mean, you know, I I've made lifelong friends from, from podcasting and, and Sonny is totally correct. You know, you don't really make new friends at this age in your life. You really don't. Mm-hmm. And it's just amazing. I've met some amazing people and I consider, you know, you guys like lifelong friends now. It's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's been, and I and I'm, you know, and I was worried that you guys were not going to make it because I know Sonny, you were you were looking like you were not going to make it early on. Steve and I hadn't heard from till recently, and then Steve Wright sends me a, a text going, "Hey, we're." I'm like, "Wow, all you guys are cut." Because I remember being kind of bummed. I was like, "Man, 
some of my friends aren't coming this year. That kind of sucks. But, and then like slowly over time, Hey, we're coming. Hey, we're coming. I was like, that's great. So yeah, I had, I had a family situation that was like minute to minute for a couple months. So I couldn't commit to anything, but I'm glad I'm able to, to go now. It's gonna be a wild weekend, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing everybody. So how's decibel geek? Tell us about the podcast. Doing good. We joined uh, Pantheon Network last year, which Pantheon just came on board as the title sponsor for Rock and Pod this year. So we've had a good relationship with those guys, and um, they've helped a lot. Obviously, I've, I've, we've been a little more sporadic with our shows as Rock and Pod gets worked on. And Aaron, Aaron's job has uh, been pretty insane lately. So uh, we're we're more of a biweekly show than a weekly show these days, but going pretty well. I'm um, getting ready to fire up Christmas in July. Working on a few things behind the scenes for that. So, which by now that'll be over with when you hear this. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's going pretty well. We've got some stuff planned in the future. We're gonna even outside of Rock and Pot. I think we're gonna make an attempt in the next year to actually do like an actual live show somewhere in Nashville to you know test out the waters on doing that, see how it goes. Steve, right? How's uh, Potter and Hell? What's happening over there? Potter and Hell's doing great. Uh, we just did an episode. We had Sunny on last week. We did a, a, a somewhat brutal playlist episode some of the songs were like what the hell how do people not know what party songs are i, don't I, I know i it's it's just oh my god it, it'll it'll have aired by the time you guys are listening to this and um actually we're having steven on next week and you'll have heard that too and sunny this is a more palatable playlist uh, type thing not so much of the bruto <laughs> but, but nothing crazy all right well like we always like to do around here at grown up rock we got to do this before we get into our game show It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. So tonight's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight, I would like to introduce you guys to a band called Crown. Crown is another Swedish melodic hard rock supergroup. The band is comprised of vocalist Alexander Strangel, guitarist keyboardist Jonah T from Heat, bassist John Levin, not the John Levin from Dokken. This guy was in Europe at one point in time, and drummer Christian Lundquist from a band called The Poodles. And The Poodles, I know there's a lot of people that like The Poodles. I just haven't had a chance really to listen to a ton of their stuff, but the stuff that I've heard, I kind of like, so they've been around for a while. Check out this song from the King in the North album. This is the title track, The Kings in the North.
Yeah. So I heard this uh, album when right when it came out. Uh, I really like it, dude. It's uh, it's that whole heat eclipse Sweden arena rock type sound. There's some keys in it, so if you're not a huge keyboard fan, that's too bad because Jonah T is actually a really good songwriter. But uh, if you like that song, check out Mad World, One in a Million. They're good, too. Uh, but I uh, really like this band. This new band. Uh, yeah, it was a little bit synth-heavy for me, but I like the song. I like what I've heard off the record. I just haven't spent enough time with it yet. Chris, have you listened to any of this? I've listened to the one song, and I like it, um, but you know, definitely fits in with the Frontiers roster of bands. Yeah, amazing vocalists, great vocals on that guy. Um, you know, production-wise, I do find some of the Frontier stuff to be pretty samey as far as the production goes, but you know, you just kind of learn that that's going to come with the territory. But no, I like it. I think it's good. I, I do want to hear the rest of the album before I really form much of an opinion on it, but that one song, I, I dig it for sure. Steve, how about you? Yeah, Sonny sent the song, and I, I listened to it. I'm like, wow, this is really good. So actually today I listened to the album like three times already and I ordered the vinyl. So uh, I think it's excellent. It may make my list at the end of the year. Chris brings up an interesting point, And I've seen this on a lot of posts lately is people are starting to get a little upfront with being pissed off at frontiers because a lot of the stuff that they're putting out has that samey sound to it. I'm not really pissed off though. I'm just turning <laughs> it out. <laughs> but some of the posts that I've been reading have been a little bit uh, more angry towards it. So my question is, does Frontiers, are they starting to sound the same with a lot of the stuff that they're putting out? I've felt that way about Frontiers for years now. I mean, I I think most of their catalog has, they just has this certain kind of glossy sheen over the top of all their stuff. I think it's the way a lot of it's mastered. And I think, is it Alessandro Del Vecchio that runs the company? I, I'm pretty yeah. sure he has a hand and he likes that one type of sound. And I think they like to layer that glossy sound over the top of everything that gets turned into the to the label. He doesn't run the company, but they use him to produce and songwrite yeah, and play on a lot of the stuff. Right. Sonny, you just, your opinion is that you like it though, right? Yeah, I like that glossy sound. I like that glossy sound in the 80s when it was there. Yeah. I didn't like it when it was a new, uh, you know, new wave of British heavy metal. Didn't have that and I didn't like it. So they happened to hit my bang zone. Now, mm -hmm. not all the singers I love, not all the songwriting I love. So that still changes a little. But yeah, I, I totally agree that the production is starting to sound the same. I personally don't mind it. Yeah, I don't I don't really hate it. It's just sometimes there's not quite enough variety there with the, with the way yeah. everything's produced. It's kind of like, well, the, you can tell they all came out of the same machine, but that's OK. I mean, I, overall, I mean, I one of my favorite Kiss albums is Crazy Nights, and that's loaded with that production. So, yeah. you know, it's, uh, you know, I'm a fan of that sound, but it just, you know, it tends to get a little monotonous at times when everything has that sound to it. I think when you when you listen to some of the Frontier stuff that has that sort of sameness to it, and then you hear a band like Dirty Honey. Like yeah. that makes that stuff seem even, even better because yeah. you have that, like they have that swampy type sound to it and your, your ears get attuned to like that frontier stuff because they have so much stuff out anymore. There's like, every time you turn around, there may be three or four albums that are released by them a month and you get used to that stuff. And then when you get a, a band like Dirty Honey, like, whoa, like it really, really catches your ear. I think it kind of helps you discover other bands too because of the differentness of their stuff compared to the the frontier stuff this august will rock as rock and pod returns to nashville this annual convention brings together rock artists fans and podcasters for an unforgettable rock experience meet billy sheehan ron keel ricky rackman 
Mark Goodman, Matt Pinfield, Don Jameson of That Metal Show, drum legends Carmine Apice and Vinny Apice, along with current and former members of Winger, LA Guns, Except, Roxy Blue, and more. Panels, signing sessions, and vinyl and memorabilia vendors, all available to you at Rockin' Pod. Music podcasters from all over North America will be appearing on site for live interviews, networking, and speaking sessions. Got a music podcast? Register and join us. Rockin' Pod Weekend kicks off with a pre-party concert featuring former Tesla guitarist Tommy Skio and his new band Resist and Bite. Plus, Ron Keel Acoustic, Rock United, and a rare hair set featuring many surprise guests. Rockin' Pod Weekend, August 6th through the 8th in Nashville, Tennessee. Tickets, VIP, podcaster registration, and discounted hotel rooms are available now at rockandpod.com. Rockin' Pod, brought to you by DBG Productions, Bradley Entertainment, and Incaptia. Okay, so today we are going to play a game show. Now, we've played this uh, clue type 10 clues, blah, blah, blah. We've done this before, but we're going to change it up a little bit this time. So kind of here's the rules. We got three players. We're going to start with a different player each time. The first player is going to get one of 10 clues. Then they can either guess or they can pass it to the next player without guessing. So there's a little bit of strategy involved now. Then the next player gets the next clue, and they can do the same, so on, so on, so on. Every clue you get is one less point. The tricking point here is if you guess incorrectly, you're out of the round completely. Okay, so definitely some strategy now. We're going to start with a different player so it's fair. And the three players got to be careful not to think out loud. Or if you're thinking out loud and you want to throw off your opponent, that's, I guess, that's part of the strategy too. Now, we could have, you know, picked a bunch of topics on this planet. But what we picked for today is rock albums that sold platinum or better. So these are all albums that sold platinum. Well, you would classify them under rock uh, or hard rock metal, I guess, rock and up, I guess you could say. I can tell you most of these albums, all three of you own or at least have heard through and through many times. And then we have a tiebreaker, if at all necessary today. I'm going to shuffle up the album so we don't have no drama. I'm <laughs> shuffling now. Sonny, will you keep track for me? You know how I lose my place. Yeah, that's not a problem. I make every right game now. based on that. <laughs> Can, can I do? Can I do a call back to the uh, episode with BJ because I was listening to it before we started and it just cracked me up. There was one point where Steve goes, "I have to think this through in my head," and Sonny goes, "There's a lot of space in there." <laughs> Trust me, that's not helping. <laughs> Don't think it through. <laughs> now, who's responsible? I say, who's responsible for this unwarranted attack on my person? Just, I laugh so hard at that. Oh, my God. Okay, we are going to get started. We got, I, I shuffled them all, so that way I don't even know which album we're starting with. Oh, this should be an interesting one. Okay, and Chris is going to get the first clue, so here we go. Uh, this album went number one on Billboard 200, lasted one week, and then the Beastie Boys took over the top spot. Pass. Steven, the fifth track on the album was a real spectacle. Pass. 
Righty. The album is ranked number 317 in Hard Rock Magazine's 500 Best Rock and Roll Albums of All Time. <laughs> Good luck with that one. <laughs> Clues that don't help you. I'm going to say. Oh, you're going to guess? Yes. Wow. You know you're out if you're wrong. I know. I'm going to say Velvet Revolver Contraband. And he's right. You're How the hell did you get that? The song Spectacle. Who the hell has the song Spectacle? Oh, my that, that's God. What, that's what got dude. it for me.
Wow. Holy cow. You guys are in deep shit. Okay. <laughs> so let me read the rest of the clues. Uh, our lead singer's or birth name uh, initials would be SRK because his name is Scott Richard Klein. That's his real name. Just like Patsy Klein, We Fall to Pieces too. That was an album track also. Before recording the album, the band recorded a cover of Pink Floyd's Money for the movie The Italian Job. If you remember that movie, it's a great movie. Although the band only lasted two full official studio albums, You Got No Right to Judge Us. You Got No Right is also an album track. Uh, alcohol, drugs, explosives, aerosol spray cans are not allowed in jail cells. Why? Because they're all contraband. Our first single off this album also appeared in the 2003 Marvel Comics film Hulk because uh, Set Me Free was on the, on that one. And then uh, Dave Kushner, who wrote the theme for Sons of Anarchy, was our rhythm guitarist on the album. Wow. So that would have been the rest of the clues righty. Good Lord. Wow, way to go. That's amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> wow. Right out of the gate. Righty surprises everybody. <laughs> that may be the only one I get right. <laughs> I thought these were going to be too hard. They might still be. All right. Second album. We're going to start with uh, Steven here. For 10 points. On Broken Wings is a B-side. Anytime today, Stephen. <laughs> Pass. <In a> minute. <laughs> All right. For nine points, righty. We released the album on Pam Greer's birthday. She turned 37 and was still looking good. Pass. All right, Chris. There are two Johns in the band at this point. Pass. Stephen, for seven points. This was our third album, but nobody remembers our first two albums. Because they didn't sell. <laughs> oh, the pressure. I've got an idea, but I don't know. Um, uh, okay, I'm going to make a guess. Okay. Bon Jovi, Slippery One Wet. That is incorrect. Steven's out. Righty, for six points. We had a song from this album on the soundtrack of a Japanese movie called Pride One. It's funny because Asia isn't our home continent. <laughs> They're trying to think if any word means something. Okay, for five points, Chris, we had two top 10 singles off this album in the U.S. that never had a top 10 hit in the U.S. again. I want to make a guess, but I don't want to get thrown out of this round. Damn it. <laughs> Pass. All right, for four points, righty. Cher released an album that shares the same name as the eighth track of this album. Cher sold multi-platinum too. Ooh, I think Chris might have this. How many points is this for? Four. All right, I'm going to make a guess. Okay. I'm going to say Europe, the final countdown. Europe, the final countdown is correct. Damn it. Yes. I was going to guess that like three rounds ago. For four points. So the, the clue for three points would have been the last single release from this record is about the largest Native American tribe oh, in the U.S. Cherokee. The time has come to put some of these clues together and make a good guess. Time has come as an album track. One, uh, our most recognizable song is played at sports stadiums all over the world. The whole thing about a uh, Japanese movie called Pride One, Asia is in our continent. Get it? Europe? Europe. Um, the two top 10 singles were Final Countdown and Carrie. And the two albums nobody knows is a self-titled and uh, Wings of Tomorrow. The two Johns and Norm and Levin, by the way. <laughs> Uh, well, see, I remember John Norm, but I was like, who's the other John in Europe? And I didn't yeah. want to guess until I was like, sure. <laughs> Righty, taking a commanding lead, 12 to nothing. Holy cow. 12 to nothing, nothing. Wow. All right. And we're starting with Righty on this one. All right, Righty, here we go. Okay. 10 points. The album name was part of a trademark registered in 1928 by a company called Ward Owsley Candy Company. Pass. 
All right, Chris, for nine points, a song called Kids in Action, penned by Kim Mitchell, was supposed to be on the album, but didn't make the final cut. Pass. Steven, the bass player was 33 when the album was released. Good luck with that one. Now it's tough because people think they got to guess early. Otherwise, right, he's going to take well, a minute. losing 12 to nothing, you kind of <laughs> feel that way. Pass. All right, righty for seven points. William Bruce Field and Tom Price wrote the third track on the album. You most likely have never heard the original. See, the problem is right now, you don't even know what year we're talking about. I know. I wish we at least had the year. Pass. All right, Chris, this is going to give you a hint on the year for six points. When our first single off the album peaked at number 16 on the Billboard 100 in August, the number one song in the country was Stevie Winwood's Higher Love. That whole trademark thing is throwing me. Um <laughs> Because I know it leads to something. I'm just trying to remember what it would be. Um, I'll say pass. All right, Stephen, for five points. Our guitar player won a Grammy in 1993 for a song called Sofa. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I told you guys to take a nap today. Righty was the only one that took a nap, obviously. I didn't take a nap. I got home from work and cut the grass. <laughs> no clue. clue. Pass. All right, Righty, for four points. The A track on the album got the band in big trouble. Pass. All right, Chris, you're probably going to get it on this one for three points. Sonrisa Salvaje is a Spanish version of the album. It was released on CD in 2007. Say that again. Sonrisa Salvaje. That's supposed to help me get it. <laughs> How many Spanish albums do you know out there? <laughs> Damn, SA, just guess. I don't speak Spanish, puta. Um, <laughs> I know that one. I know Paquita. Um, <laughs> Shit. I got nothing. Pass. I don't even have a guess. All right, Steven, for two points. There's nothing shy about the singer, but boy, can the lead guitar player play. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a guess. Eat him and smile, David Lee Roth. Eat him and smile is correct for two oh, points. Yeah. Shit. Higher love was like eighty five or yeah. Yeah, 86. I thought that was like 89. That's why I didn't yeah. put that together. So, uh, Eat Him and Smile was the uh, trademark that was registered for the candy company. Oh. Uh, bass player, Billy Sheehan, turned 33. Uh, William Bruce Field and Tom Price wrote I'm Easy, by the way. Um, Sofa, best rock instrumental performance, 1993, right. Steve I. Big Trouble is the eighth track on the album. Sonrisa Salvaje. So, David Lee Roth did the whole album in Spanish, yep. yeah. if you remember. Yeah, yeah, that translates to Wild Smile. Yeah. And the last clue would have been we went on tour to support the album. We had the balls to do a cover of Van Halen's Unchained. We thought we did it pretty well. That would have been the last clue. They I did. Feel stupid right now. <laughs> <laughs> when you said the Spanish one, I had it, but I was too picked away. <laughs> and then after I thought about it, big trouble. I'm like, oh. Yeah. And Steven, think about this. There's no reason not to guess there because right. Whitey's going to get the last yeah. clue. And it want to come back around. Yeah. It want to came back to you. Right. So. Two whole points. Woohoo! Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. We are on to the fourth album and we're starting with Chris. Okay, here we go, Chris, for 10 points. Our album title was not taken from the Elvis movie with the same name. Hmm. All right. Give me a second here. See, I didn't know if we had any Elvis fans, so I'm this could really be an Elvis fan, but I do know some of his movies. I'm trying to put yeah. this together. I'm going to say pass for now. All right, Stephen, for nine points, 
The drummer and Gwen Stefani share the same birthday, October 3rd. Gwen was seven years younger, though. That shit is absolutely zero help to me. I don't, unless their name pops up as a friend of mine in my Facebook feed, I have no clue. Uh, So pass. All right, righty, for eight points. If it wasn't for stupid Whitney Houston's second album, this album would have been our number one album. That's supposed to give you a clue to the year there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Pass. He got that. (laughs) Okay. I'm just making sure. All right, Chris, for seven points, Jerry Lieber and Mike Stroller wrote the closing track. I should know this. Um, really? Because <laughs> Lieber and Stroller, yeah. I'm, my brain is just not functioning today. I'll pass. Steven, for six points, Pat Torpy, drummer of Mr. Big, our, rest in peace, sang some backing vocals on this album. I didn't even know Pat sang that much, but he sang back, backing vocals on this album. Pass. Righty, for five points, we remastered the album and released it 16 years after the original with a new track called Rodeo. Rodeo. Why do I know that? Pass. All right, Chris, for four points, the second single was used in a video game called Grand Theft Auto 4. Is it Motley Crue, Girls, Girls, Girls? Motley Crue, Girls, Girls, Girls is correct for four points. Um, so let me read the other three clues and I'll explain the rest. The next clue would have been the blade of my knife faced away from your heart. Second point clue would have been, if I had to guess, I'm thinking our singer is about 240 pounds nowadays. At least he looks it. And uh, the last clue would have been, all I need are three girls with a wild side and I'm a happy guy. <laughs> get it? Um, the Elvis movie is called Girls, 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 obviously. I couldn't get but, Blue Hawaii out of my head. Oh, yeah. For the first two, three rounds. <laughs> yeah, well, Blue Hawaii for me, Hawaii. too. And then I'm like, yeah. and then I'm like Jailhouse Rock. I'm like, that's there, no one has an album of that. But yeah. that's what I'm thinking Motley Crue. But. Yeah. Jerry Lieber and Stroller. Mike Stroller wrote Jailhouse Rock. That's right. Yeah. Well, uh, she said they're Rudy sorry Rudy. Motley did it. But, yeah. you know. Yeah. But I remember the, ex- the expanded edition with Rodeo. I was like, oh, yep. Motley Crue. Okay. Yep. <laughs> All right. So, right now, the score. Chris, four. Steven. Two, righty, 12. All right, here we go. Bloodbath. Next album. And we are starting with Steven on this one. For 10 points, our drummer had a co-write on all 12 songs. Why is it always a drummer that's involved? (laughs) Why does it seem like I get always drummer questions? (laughs) 12 songs. And he co-wrote them all. Let me just tell you, the only reason a drummer has a co-write is because they split up the publishing equally. Here we go. Here (laughs) we go. The views and opinions expressed by Stephen Michael do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Sunny Hollywood Pooney or the Grown Up Rock podcast. Assumptions made by Stephen's analysis are not always correct. And since we are all just human beings, please forget everything said and forgive him. We've pissed off every drummer and bass player in rock several times on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And the computer continues to apologize every time we do it. (laughs) I don't know. Pass. All right. Righty for nine points. Hurricane Hugo helped us get signed. Pass. Chris for eight points. Technically, this album was our fifth official release. But no one really knows that. Pass. Ooh. Okay, Stephen, here's a test here. For seven points, Mr. Brown plays piano on one track. And that's supposed to mean something to me? <laughs> it will when I tell you the answer. <laughs> Mr. Brown Stone. 
God. <laughs> Fifth album, Mr. Brownstone, Hurricane Hugo. I never said Mr. Brownstone. I, I said Mr. I said, Brown. I, uh, I said <laughs> Mr. Brownstone. Hurricane Hugo, fifth album. Nobody knows it. Drummer writes. I think the drummer <laughs> thing is the best clue, but I'm trying to put it together. Brown plays piano. Damn you, Sonny Pony. <laughs> I don't know. I got a pass because I don't know. All right, righty. You're usually good at this shit. Six points. Our song Medicine Man has nothing to do with that shitty 1992 Sean Connery movie. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> Chris just got it. Medicine man. <laughs> Makes right. He thinks he's got a guess. <laughs> I know. I, I have a song in mind, but that's, I'm going to have to pass. All right. So I'm going to give you the fifth clue because you only get five points. Anyway, this album's considered to be the first ever groove metal album. Supposedly stuff like white zombie is groove metal too. Chris. I know the artist is Pantera, but I'm trying to decide which album it is. You're not going to let me cheat, but is Medicine Man on the record? Yes. Okay, Cowboys from Hell. Cowboys from Hell is correct for five points. Good job, Chris. All right, let me tell you the other four clues, and then I'll explain the other ones. Uh, The Cosmopolitan Saloon is on the cover, if you didn't know that. A Terry Date production would have been a clue. Pillage the Village, Trash the Scene, but Better Not Take It Out on Me would have been a clue, which is lyrics from Cowboys from Hell. December 8, 2004, completely changed this band's history forever. That's the day Dimebag died. So Pantera splits everything in four. That's why the drummer has a co-write on all the songs. Okay. Told you. Yeah. Hurricane Hugo. So Mark Ross from Atco Records got stuck because of Hugo and went to go see Pantera that night. Right. And that's what got him signed. Okay. Oh. Their fifth release because nobody knows Metal Magic Projects in the Dungle on the night. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's the totally hit me with those. I was like, oh, yep. the other, the Glam Terra. Yep. And Mr. Brown is Rex. Yeah, I got that. And now. he plays piano on Cemetery Gates. Good job, Chris. Good job, buddy. Go in. All right. The sixth album, we are starting with Righty for 10 points. This album was our third release, and we finally got a couple of songs to hit the U.S. charts. Pass. All right, Chris, this will give a this should give you a, a shot at the timing here for nine points. When our album topped out at number fifty on the Billboard two hundred, Poison, Scorpions, Def Leppard, and GNR were all in the top ten. Pass. All right, Stephen, here we go for eight points. Anthrax doesn't have a ton in common with us, but we're both known for spreading a disease. Anthrax spread it three years earlier. Oh, God. Can you give me the first clues again, please? Album was our third. We finally got some songs on the U.S. charts. When it topped out at number 50, Poison, Scorpions, Def Leppard, and GNR were all in the top 10. Yep. I'm going to take a guess at Queen's Rock Operation Minecraft. That is correct yes. for eight points. What was the disease? The song Spreading the Disease is on the album. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sweat it. 
So the rest of the clues would have been one of the singles was nominated for a Grammy for Best Metal Performance, Stupid Metallica 1-1. Get it? Chris is very important to the band. He co-wrote nine of the songs. By the time the next decade came around, Chris left and became a full-time pilot. That would have been easy. Inspiration for the album involved Nikki. Not sure if they're talking about Nikki Six, but it's a person that's a drug addict, so whatever. <laughs> and all the shady preachers begging for my cash, Swiss bank accounts while giving their secretaries the slam. Those are lyrics from Revolution Calling. Mm-hmm. Pamela Moore helped us on the release. Would have been sequel came out 18 years later. Sooner or later, somebody would have got that. And the four of us believe in love, but Chris and Jeff don't for some reason. That would have been the last quote. Yeah. Uh, the two songs that hit the charts, by the way, were uh, Eyes of a Stranger and I Don't Believe in Love. And when Poison, Scorpions, Def Leppard, and GNR were all in the top 10, you're talking mm-hmm. Open Up and Say Aw, Savage Amusement, Hysteria, and Appetite. Good job, Steven. Closing the gap. Where are we at with the score now? Okay, so we're at the halfway point here because I got 12 for you guys, so it kept even here. So Chris is at 9, Steven is at 10, and Righty is at 12. Man, I'm in last. Closing the gap with six albums left. Dun-dun-dun. Okay, we're starting with Chris. It's kind of fun not knowing which album we're talking about here. Okay, Chris for 10 points. This was the band's fifth or sixth studio album, depending on who you believe and where you live. Hmm. I already have an idea of what band it is, but I, mm. Damn, that's <laughs> oh. tempting, that is tempting to throw a guess out because I already, I just have to figure out what the album would be. I, I'm going to pass for now. How the All hell right? do you know what band they're even talking <laughs> I think about? I, do too. I think I do too. No, I'm well, not messing with you. It's, but I'm not going to give you any more clues, but yeah. All right, Stephen, for nine points, 10 songs total on the original release, including a six minute song. Pass. Righty for eight points. Producer was born in Zambia. I don't know how that helps you. Problem is you can't afford to be wrong. I know. I know. (laughs) I so wish I could pull Wiki up right now. (laughs) I know. I'm almost positive I know the band. I don't think it's going to come back to me. See, and that's good strategy because you know by the time it gets back to you, it's only five points, right? So it's like, do I guess now what happens here? This is why I wanted to go person by person. I think this works out better. It's a better strategy. It's more torturous. Nerve-wracking. Yeah. yeah. One of the rules that you forgot to mention was you get a mulligan, right? No. <laughs> no. Can I buy a mulligan? No. There's <laughs> no right. water balls either. You can't bribe right. the host, Steve. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Suck it, righty. Play by the rules. <laughs> I'm going to guess. Okay. I am going to say ACDC Highway to Hell. ACDC Highway to Hell is correct. God, yes. For eight points. Righty. That's ridiculous, dude. So that is ridiculous. Right as soon as you said the Zambia or whatever the hell it was, I knew it was. I knew it was Mutt Lang. I was tossed between Back in Black and Highway to Hell. Me too. But I, I don't remember a, a longer song on on Highway to Hell. Yeah, and yeah, he was born in Northern Rhodesia, so that's where. But anyway, the rest mm-hmm. of the clues would have been our record label is Albert. Ever heard of them? The Sea Bellies are on the same label. Uh, remember the song "Oh Well" by Fleetwood Mac? We might have ripped that off a little bit. At least that's what some say. For some reason, only one guy smiling on the cover. Love me till I'm legless, aching, and sore, which are lyrics from Girls Got Rhythm. We had to change our singer seven months after this platinum album was released. The one for two points would have been City to Heaven. And the last clue would have been We've Always Been a Young Band.
How many points did he get with that? Eight. Uh, we're, Steven, you and me are done now. Oof. <laughs> Oof. Five albums to go. Five <laughs> albums to go. All right. We should have got Steve Wright drunk before we performed this. Uh, and I am not drinking tonight This for this specific reason. I usually bring a cooler with me, but I, I, I'm drinking water. Damn it. All right, Steven, we're starting with you for 10 points. The clue is the drummer. This is just, it's luck. It's complete luck. I shuffled this shit. Okay. <laughs> The drummer has one co-write on this album. Our two bass players put together had zero. Two bass players? What band has two bass players? Cool in the gang? I don't know. Two bass players on one album? Yep. Earth, Wind, and Fire? (laughs) Is that your guess? You're out. You're out. Are you passing? Pass. All right. Righty. This album helped Black Sabbath be born again. I think I know it now. Uh, I, I think I know it. I have an idea too. What was that last clip? This album helped Black Sabbath be born again. I don't think it's going to come back to me again. I'm going to have to pass. I'm not 100%. All right, Chris, this could nail it for you here. We recorded a song that was dedicated to our ex guitarist. Ooh, maybe I don't know it. Dedicated to our ex guitarist. Pass. All right, Steven, for seven points. Loves a bitch when she starts throwing plates at you. I would suggest you run for cover. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm going to take a guess, but I need some answers. I'm pretty sure I know this one. Quiet Riot's mental health. Quiet Riot mental health is correct for seven points. So I'll read the rest of the clues and I'll go backwards. Um, November 19, 2007 was a very important date in the band's history. That's the day Dubrow died. People say this album is better than Police's Synchronicity because it replaced it number one in November 83. The red jacket on the album cover is hot. Guitarist with his initial CCs involved in this album. No, not that CC. You might be a Ford or a Chevy fan, but we are Cadillac fans, especially black ones. And the last clue would have been, let's not go crazy. Let's get crazy instead. So Benali co-wrote Metal Health, mm-hmm. but neither Sarzo nor Wright wrote anything and right. both played on the album. Mm-hmm. And the Born Again thing is Quiet Riot toured them in album support. And the ex-guitarist is Thunderbird was written for Randy Rhodes. 
See, I was with the two bass player thing. I was thinking like White Snake slided in because they were oh yeah versions of the album. I was thinking Deep Purple because I was thinking that it was Deep Purple, and eventually it pushed out Ian Gillian to do Born Again. All right, and Deep Purple had two bass players at one point in time with Glenn Hughes and uh, Roger Glover. So I was trying to piece all that together. Man, all right. So with four left to go, we are at Chris nine. Steven's 17, righties at 20. <laughs> oh, God, I'm getting my ass kicked. Woo! Right. There's 40 points to be had, technically. Nah. Right? All right. I'm just having fun hanging out with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not expecting to win at this point. <laughs> All right, righty. Here we go. For 10 points. The Russian version of this album, which you probably have, release has a bonus track called The River. The Russian version of this album release has a bonus track called The River. Pass. Chris, for nine points, Jamie and Mickey didn't write any of the songs on this album. Neither did Ace or Peter or Paul or Gene or there's a lot of people didn't write songs on this album, but I'm just telling you, Jamie and Mickey didn't either. Jamie and Mickey. <laughs> Who would that be? I'd like to just be able to throw a big guess out just to see if I can get it, but no, pass. Steven, for some crazy reason, Iggy Pop sings backing vocals on a track. I don't know why you would hire that dude, but whatever. Because a lot of people are big fans of him, so if they can get him in on a track, uh, then that's a good thing. And I can't remember what records he sings back up on. God dang it. And the Jamie and Mickey thing doesn't mean anything to me. (laughs) Twisted my brain up. Pass. Righty. For seven points, our guitar player played in a band called Theater of Hate. Pass. All right, Chris, this could be a ground ball here for six points. Listen carefully here. Mm-hmm. Ta, 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 twisting like a flame in a slow dance. Okay, well, is it the Cult Sonic Temple? Cult Sonic Temple for six points, Chris. Nice job. That's Firewoman lyrics, by the way. I don't know if I would have forgotten that one. So Jamie and Mickey, that's Jamie, Jamie Stewart and Mickey Curry. That's the two other band members. Uh, Iggy Pop sang on New York City. (laughs) What's his name? Played in Theater of Hate before the cult. The other clues would have been, it's entirely possible that the band who had hits with Runaway Train and Misery stole their band name from this album because there's a track called Soul Asylum. Uh, When the album topped out at number 10 on the Billboard 200, Madonna's Like a Prayer was number one. So that would give you a shot at at least the timing. Eric Singer played drums on the first demo version of the album. I had to move that clue down a bit because I was worried that the Kissners might get that one. I would have gotten that. (laughs) Yeah. The second to last clue would have been a Bob Rock production. Because Bob Rock produced that. And the last clue would have been my sister has a sweet soul. That one I would have got. All right. Now we're at Chris 15, Stephen 17, righty 20 with three to go. Woo! Woo! And we're starting with Chris. Uh, Let's see if I can get a 10. (laughs) All right. For 10 points, this album was reissued with two bonus tracks later on in life. One was called Party with the Animals. Oh, I actually might know this. Um, Oh, yeah. I know this. Was it Ozzy Osbourne, No More Tears? Wow. That's crazy, too. Yeah, ten points for Chris. Actually, oh my god, like dude! <laughs> I would have had no clue anybody would have got that. By the way, the other track was "Don't Blame Me." 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like who listens to re-releases bonus tracks? I guess I listened to it a week ago. <laughs> All right. So the rest of the clues would have been the song Ashton Villa Highway is about a football team. Our drummer died 11 years after the album release, which was Randy Castillo. The first single was seven minutes, 24 seconds long, but there's shorter radio edits out there. John Sinclair plays keyboards on this release. That wouldn't have helped you. Our time after time is not a cover of the Cindy Lauper song. Trust me, you should thank us. The second track won a Grammy for best metal performance in 94. So I was going to kind of throw you off because that Grammy was actually from Live and Loud, not from No More Tears. But the song was I Don't Want to Change the World. Bob and Mike were involved in some capacity, which is obviously Daisley and Inez. Stop Your Crying would have been a clue. And then Mom, I'm On the Way would have been the last clue.
Good job, Chris. Oh, my God. God. All of a sudden, Chris goes into lead, 25 points. Woo! With two left. Good job. Steven, it's on you, baby. For 10 points, we had a song from this album land on the soundtrack of a horror film called Phenomena. Pass. Righty for nine points. We added Rainbow's Gold, a cover song originally done by Beckett on the reissue. I'm going to, I think I'm going to guess. Of course you are. I'm going to guess Iron Maiden Power Slave. Iron Maiden Power Slave is correct for nine points. Way to go. Holy cow, righty. (laughs) Rainbow's Gold, Adrian Smith's song. Come on. Wow. Wow. I remember the band name Beckett more than I do the song. I remember some connection with Beckett, but I couldn't remember what band they were connected to. The horror film song was uh, Flash of the Blade, by the way. The eighth clue would have been uh, Samuel was proud to be represented on the album. He's the guy who wrote Rhyme the Intramariner. Rolling Stone has this number 37 on the uh, 100 greatest metal albums of all time. Uh, Michael Henry's on drums, which that's Nico's real name. Uh, Andy Taylor helped us out during the recording. No, not that Andy Taylor. He's too pretty for us. Andy Taylor's a co-manager with uh, Rod Smallwood. Uh, Pool Bully was involved in the production. That's uh, Martin Birch's nickname. Our bass player wrote for the song for the album, which makes sense. Fraley's High, Big Fucking Surprise. Ace is High. Get it? Um, And then 11.58 p.m. on September 2nd, 2021, which is, well, that's two minutes to midnight. Oh, okay. So the score, as we go to the last one, Stephen can't win, but Chris got 25. Stephen has 17. Righty has 29. And we are starting with Righty. Oh, okay. Last one. For 10 points, Righty, songs called Girls Got Something, Rubber Bandit, and Sedona Surprise didn't make the album. Pass. Chris, for nine points, the album spawned three top 10 Billboard Hot 100 hits. I'll I'll pass. Steven, for eight points, we released a song called Ain't Enough as a bonus on the Japanese version of the album. Pass. So songs called Girls Got Something, Rubber Bandit, and Sedona Sunrise didn't make the album. Album spawned three top 10 Billboard Hot 100 hits. We released a song called Ain't Enough as a bonus song on the Japanese version of the album. So Righty's next clue is Jim Valance co-wrote the opening tracks on side one and the opening track on side two of this album. I know the answer. I might guess. All right. For seven points. I am going to guess Bon Jovi Slippery When Wet. Nope. That is incorrect. Shit. And Righty's out. Now, Chris, you are losing by four. It's five to win. And you're getting a clue that is worth six points. Okay. Our My Girl is not a cover of the Temptations classic, no matter how much Pooney wants it to be. And Steven knows this. Yep. Damn it. And I can even hear the song My Girl, and I can't put together who the hell it is. (laughs) (laughs) All I can hear is the Temptations one now. (laughs) I can hear the song that he's referring to, and it's killing me that I can't put together who the band is that does it. I know Steven's going to get it. Shit. I hate you, Stephen. Stop doing that. So what's going to happen here is, Chris, if you guess and you're right, you win. I know. If you guess and you're right, you're wrong, you're out. Yeah. If you pass to Stephen, he's fucking with you and it comes back, and you guess right, you tie. But I think he knows it. Oh, this is killing me. I'll just hope he's bluffing I pass. All right. So, Stephen, you're going to get the five-point clue, whether you know it already or not. I hope he's not. The second single off this album finally got us a Grammy Award. It only took 20 fucking years. 
that doesn't help, but the record is Aerosmith Pump. That is correct for five points. And Righty takes the game. Now, let me read the rest of the clues here. There's four clues left. Band was sued by a small rock band for using their band name as a title of this record. That rock band lost. I'm telling you, don't get mad, get even, which is a track off the album. Of course, the lead singer played that harmonica on the album. You can shove that up his ass as far as I'm concerned. And then the last one would have been fucked up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional, which is F-I-N-E. So the final score, Stephen 22, Chris 25, and Righty, the winner. With 29 points. That was a tight race. Okay. Wow. Just want to let you know, there was 120 points available. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for making us feel stupid. <laughs> but good for you guys. <laughs> man, no bomb. Man, no bomb. <laughs> you think you're the world's greatest dad? <laughs> we got a lot of useless knowledge and we use none of it on tonight's trivia. <laughs> Before we wrap it up, you know, we got to connect it to Kiss. You wanted the best, but you got the best. The hottest band in the world, Kiss! It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. So, Righty won. Righty's a huge Got Love for Sale fan. So, here's a band called The Mass. From a record called K-A-O-L, Music from the Folder 99, with their version of Got Love for Sale. Correct. I'm 
So it sounds like almost a demo version. The audio quality wasn't very good on the thing that you sent me. And for a minute, because I didn't know, I mean, I knew it was love for sale. I just didn't know who was doing it for a minute there in places. The singer reminded me of Anthony Corder a little bit. Mm. Yeah. Jeff Payne. I think he sounds like Chris Robinson. Oh, no, I didn't think that at all. But in certain places, I thought he had that sort of uh, high pitch um, sound uh, that Anthony has. But yeah. Chris, what did you think? I wasn't sure what it was because I, you know, I had to listen to it on my phone, which so the sound quality was really bad already. Mm-hmm. And then I thought it was might have been one of the Gene Simmons vault demos or something. I didn't know oh. it was actually not Gene, but I was like, that doesn't sound like Gene. And then I was wait. Then I was like, is this one of the ones that the Van Halen brothers played on? And I waited oh. for the solo. And I'm like, no, that's not it. So yeah, <laughs> I was confused as all hell for it. I liked it though. Righty, had you heard that version before? No, I haven't. I enjoyed it. It was kind of like a like a boogie woogie version of it. And to me anyways, uh, not bad. And you know, that got love for sale is my favorite kiss song. So it wasn't bad. I, I thought they, they put a, a good spin on it. and it did, it did have more of a, a demo type sound quality mm-hmm. to it, but it, it, it was all right. I, I didn't, I didn't hate it. Yeah. I just like Chris listened to it on my phone. And so it just sounded like a really, you know, poor audio demo type thing, but interesting you mentioned it had that boogie woogie feel that's part of why i thought it might be anthony singing on it (laughs) that's a good idea i'll tell anthony that tor tor should cover it on the next record Ooh, there you go (laughs) i don't know if any of those guys are kiss fans i've never heard them oh they are are they okay yeah now i was looking at the scoring there was only three times we got past the fifth clue so we're not too stupid that's not too bad that's not bad (laughs) that's not bad I thought this was too hard. I went back and I, I'm like, okay, maybe I got to tweak this a little. I'm like, I eh, just leave it, whatever. <laughs> but you guys did good on this. We're going to get feedback from the listeners going, Poonie's questions are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I still want to take on Sonny and Kiss Trivia one of these days. <laughs> we'll see. You got to do it. I choose not to play. Yeah, I noticed. <laughs> I've challenged you for three years on this. Oh, it sounds like that's something I'll need to put together and I'll get to host. I'll let the two but of no you chart position it. questions, please. Yeah. Or, or Spotify listens. Spotify yeah, listens. None of that. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been fun. Chris, uh, any last minute things about Rock and Pod or you just want to tell people to go to the website again? Yeah, just go to rockandpod.com if you're in the Nashville area, or you can make it, you know, with a quick drive and go to rockandpod.com, get your tickets, join us. It's going to be a, a fun weekend of music and convention and all kinds of good stuff. And as I said at the beginning of the show, it's, it's a great hang. A lot of people come to, uh, you know, podcasters come to meet each other. A lot of people come to meet their favorite podcasters. So uh, come out and join us and have a good time. And uh, if you see a person running around like a crazy person, that would be me. Say hi. <laughs> and decibel geek podcast drops when it drops <laughs> at this time yeah of year, kind of yeah yeah we're, we're, we're the surprise podcast every couple of weeks yeah chris is interesting at these things because when you first see him at the beginning of rock and pod he's going crazy by the end he's eerily calm like there might be somebody's going to stab later or it's like very spooky calm <laughs> <laughs> well we have a bigger volunteer staff this year so i'm hoping i actually get to kind of experience it this year that would be nice yeah because in past uh, rock and pot experiences i learned that when i see chris i just kind of wave at him i don't try to go up and talk to him because kind of no, pointless please do because i actually want to chat with everybody and catch up you know even if i look busy just pull me aside because i got people that'll help me i don't have to do it all yeah. steve potter in hell every what uh friday afternoon correct 
every every Friday at noon comes out, and um, me and my crew, uh, my buddy BC and BB, and uh, my son Dylan, our usual crew. We have you guys on. We've had Chris on. Chris, we'll have to get you back on. I'll wait till you're you know all the rock and pot <laughs> stuff settles down. And I'm really looking forward to going. It was totally up in the air whether I was going to be able to attend or not. So I will be there. And you know, if you see me, I'll have my Power Than Hell shirt on. Come over, say hello, and uh, and we'll shoot the shit. And Chris, looking forward to seeing you. I haven't seen you since the last one. I've seen these two other knuckleheads, you know, a couple times <laughs> since then. I'm not saying that's a good thing, but uh, <laughs> oh, it's a good thing. Yeah, but these guys, you guys are awesome, and um, and I, I look forward to actually, Chris, when you guys are back regular again too. It, it's uh, I have my routine, and and you guys are in it. And oh, and actually, Stephen messed up this last week because. I'm like, are you guys didn't do a show this week? And he he, he put it out the wrong time. But I, <laughs> I he threw off my whole morning schedule. That was that was my Saturday morning listen, and he messed it up. But I, I forgive you. Yeah, as a podcaster, and Chris can identify with this. Uh, editing is only part of it, and then we have to upload it and schedule it and everything else. And we normally release at midnight on Saturday, so it's their Sunday morning first thing, and therefore you for the for your upcoming week. Well, I scheduled it 12 p.m. on Sunday instead of 12 a.m. And so I get a text first thing in the morning from Righty. Where's your episode? <laughs> it's like, uh, I don't know. I'm at the park. I'll check when I get home. <laughs> That's what I have Dylan for. <laughs> yeah. So it's been fun. Sonny and I both will be at Rock and Pod this year. So if you see us, uh, please come by, say hello. We're just going to be hanging out like patrons. So we're looking forward to being able to just experience Rock and Pod, which is a change of pace for us. But I think it's going to be fun. <laughs> you didn't want to do 35 interviews this time like you have in the past? <laughs> no, we didn't. We did 35 the second Rock and Pod. The third, oh. I, the third Rock and Pod, I cut it way back. And then when the fourth one was going to happen, didn't happen, I had pretty much said, I, I don't want to do interviews at Rock and Pod anymore. I'm missing the experience and I'm tired of it. Yeah. So Sonny and I said, well, let's just go and hang out and we'll go guest on everybody else's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've told we have we have a lot of first timers this year. That's like one big piece of advice. A lot of the the veterans that come every year have, have told them they're like, don't overload your schedule with interviews. Cause you actually want to experience the event, you know, yep. getting some content's great, but don't go crazy with it or else you'll be like, you'll blink and you'll be like, Oh, I missed everything. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to actually enjoy yep. the event too. Yeah, that's right. And it's interesting, uh, especially for the podcasters. Like I don't think we've run into any podcast that we know that records the same way. Mm. Like everybody uses something different of the way that they're putting the content together. Now we might all be putting in our lips in or whatever else, but how it actually comes together is completely different for all the podcasts that I know of. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's pretty weird because there's some that are super overprepared. Some are not prepared at all. We do stuff. We put stuff in the vault just in case life happens. Some don't do that. Right. We got some of that advice from other podcasters really. And we just kind of put together our own thing. And don't wear matching polo shirts. <laughs> Yeah, that's a big no-no. Who's three are never gonna live that down? No. I, I already told Nicole. Down. I already told Nicole. We we see three guys wearing the same polo shirt. I'm gonna just start laughing. They'll never make that mistake again. The best That'll buy, never happen the again. best buy of podcasting, our friends at Ages of Rock. Well, if I hadn't been so crazy in year two planning, I was actually gonna try to conspire with the other podcast where we would all wear matching polos except those guys. Oh, that would have been great. <laughs> Yeah, you, it's a great place to come and get community, but also learn if you're interested in podcasting. Because like Sonny said, anybody can do a podcast. We've said it a million times, but mm -hmm. there's a difference in doing a podcast and doing it so that it's quality and people mm -hmm. want to listen to it. 
Yeah, I should mention that there that we do have a podcaster education track that will be going on at the expo. It's uh, it'll be sessions with uh, workshops and people speaking on how to how to start a show, how to build your show, how to brand your show, how to market your show. Every you know, kind of everything from beginners to the high level experience. So yeah, that's part of it also. Awesome. All right. Well, it's been fun. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll see everybody at Rock and Pod in Nashville. Thanks for joining us, and listeners, thanks for listening. See ya later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. Well, baby, I'm easy, I'm easy, I'm easy, I'm an easy man. Well, baby, I'm easy, I'm easy, I'm easy, I'm an easy man. So come on down and get me money while you can. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. 
That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 